Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wonder Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. In just one moment, I'll be joined by my friend and colleague, co-host, BJ Cunningham. Anthony DeBundo won't be joining us today. He's at a concert of all places. But before I bring in BJ, a reminder that Wonder Gold is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get 200 free. BJ, it's just you and me. Like I said, Anthony is at the Post Malone concert or something. We have 10 Premier League games to talk about, though, <laughs> without him. And we'll start with Chelsea and Manchester United. This one's taking place at Stamford Bridge. The Blues are even money favorites. Man United plus 260 on the road. The draw is plus 260. It won't really apply because these two teams kind of cancels each other out with these two teams. But we're at a part of the schedule where the fixtures are just piling up. The Premier League... UEFA, they're, they're just jamming in as many as they can. So this is, I think, Chelsea and United's sixth game since the beginning of October. Could be sloppy. I think that helps the underdog just generally in these kind of situations. Like, no matter the sport, you want more variance when you're the underdog. I actually like United here. I know I've been all over the map with United. I was onto them early. I was fading them early out of the gates. Got them in that win against Liverpool. Then I've been unsuccessfully fading them the past few weeks. But, I mean, I've been unsuccessful fading any team the past few weeks. They did look good against Tottenham. I think part of that was Tottenham making them look better by just playing bad, but the defense is starting to trend in the right direction with three decent performances against Everton, Newcastle, and now Spurs. And Chelsea's just, they're due for some negative regression. 
We talked about in the midweek show about how lucky they were to get a win against Aston Villa. And then they were lucky today to get the draw against Brentford. Minus 1.6 expected goal differential in those two games. Four points out of it that went a plus two actual goal differential. So I like the spot here on United. Yeah, I'm... I'll admit for the first time uh, watching United today, I was actually impressed. Like I thought Ten Hag is finally starting to implement what he was trying to do at Ajax, which is be very possession dominant counter press and try to win the ball back in the final third, which Manchester United did a wonderful job of against Tottenham and Tottenham for whatever reason, just couldn't complete any passes going forward. Now we flip to this match. The question mark is okay. Well, is United going to be able to be that type of possession dominant, live in Chelsea's final third, counter press them and go up against a team that is frankly looks like a better counterattacking team than Tottenham right now. I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm sure Potter's going to try to control possession here, but like you mentioned, you know, last two matches defensively for Chelsea. I mean, they've allowed 3.7 XG to Villa and Brentford. They've lost the expected goals battle in both those matches. And stylistically, if United wants to set up, you know, how they've done against Liverpool and Arsenal when they were effective sitting deep and looking to counter, well, that's essentially what Villa and Brentford were able to do in the last two matches. And, you know, they weren't able to score, but they obviously created a ton of chances. And then you look at the injuries for Chelsea, you know, Wesley Fofana's out, Reese James is out. Thiago Silva didn't play today. We don't know if he's going to play on Saturday. And Golo Conte is now out for four months. Connor Gallagher went off with an injury against Brentford. So the depth is really starting to come into question here for the Blues. And it's honestly the first time this year that I don't project any value fading Manchester United. I actually have Chelsea at minus 115 before accounting for all these injuries. So I am actually going to stay away from this one. You know, this is it's it's interesting because you look at when these two teams met at Stamford Bridge last season, it was when United had just fired Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Michael Carrick was in charge. Chelsea just lived inside United's final third. They dominated the entire match, and United had one breakaway, and they scored on it, and they won one nothing. Like, are they going to try to set up similar? I don't know. But, yeah, I, I think that the, the line is right here. So I'm, I'm going to pass on this one. Uh, that is the 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. So now let's go to 7.30 a.m. on Saturday. There's only four matches on Sunday. Then we have six, actually four matches on uh, Saturday, five on Sunday and one on Monday. A weird schedule. But like I said, the, the fixture list piles up. So things get a little wonky. The 7.30 a.m. kickoff taking place at the city ground in Nottingham, right on the River Trent. Forest plus 900, Liverpool minus 450. The draw is five to one. All these odds, of course, from our friends at Bet365. I think you and I are kind of on the same page here. I think this match could end up with like a baseball score, you know, yeah, five, two or something. Yeah. It's an interesting one. You know, I don't hate a look on the over here over three and a half at plus plus one twenty five. I mean, Liverpool, they still have defensive issues like, you know, West Ham created over two and a half expected goals against them today. There was obviously was a penalty in there, but Liverpool's 11th in expected goals allowed and at 1.4 per 90. And it's just not what we've seen from Liverpool defenses in the past. Now, the question is, can Nottingham Forest give them any trouble? Forest has scored one goal in their last four matches, but they have created three expected. So they're kind of overdue for a little bit of positive regression, but defensively they've played two big six sides against Manchester city. They got throttled, allowed 3.7 expected goals and against Tottenham got beat to nothing allowed 2.7 expected goals. They're still playing the same two center backs they were playing in the championship, which is concerning and it hasn't worked out well. Like they're allowing close to two expected goals per match. And where I think this one can get off the rails to your point of where it might be a baseball score is that Nottingham forest 
when they fall behind, the match just gets completely out of hand. They're allowing 2.15 expected goals per 90 when playing from behind. They've spent about 300 minutes playing from behind. So it's a pretty decent sample size. So like I have 3.4 goals projected. So it's, you know, three and a half at plus 125, there is some decent value there. I just need the, uh, the, the courage to do it. So I actually don't hate to look on the over here. It's a game where I, I can see, you know, if you want to bet like goal in like the first 10 minutes or something like that too. It just feels like it's going, it's just going to be a carnival. Yeah. Both teams to score is even money that has a little bit of value. I think, I don't know if I can stomach that, but um, yeah. it does have a little bit of value. So uh, yeah, I think, yeah, this, this just has uh, either chaos written all over it or Liverpool's just going to like create a bunch of chances and win one, nothing. <laughs> the first 10 AM game we'll talk about, unfortunately is Everton. They're plus plus one fifty at home against palace plus 200 to draw here is plus 210 Everton or man <laughs> one shot one shot today one shot today which is an improvement over with with Dominique Calvert-Lewin Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray up top yeah their yeah. best front three I mean they're improving though off of their last match it's true so here we go one shot in 120 minutes of football the problem is that they when they get into that attacking third they just don't have the quality right now to pick that one pass mm-hmm. Galenko, I mean, was just wasteful today. Uh, there was a couple of different uh, chances. So I think this looks like a rock fight. I actually like to draw palace. We know they're starting to get their act together back defensively, come back when it gets wolves to one on Tuesday. And I don't think Everton are going to what, what Frank Lampard has kind of shown us is he knows that this team is still not you know, safe from the relegation battle. Yeah. even in the season. So I think he's going to look at this as a, I'm not going to play into Palace's hands and, and let them beat us on the counter. It could be just two walls looking at each other. The total's low. I think recipe for a draw. So I like to draw plus 210. I don't hate a look on over two and a half or both teams to score for a couple of reasons is that, you know, Everton, they're not only have they had one shot, you know, in the last 120 minutes, but they're conceding the most shots per 90 in the Premier League. The only opponent they've held under one expected goal is uh, West Ham, when uh, one of the weirdest scores you'll see <laughs> over the last few weeks. I mean, yes, Crystal Palace has been better uh, defensively in three straight matches, but the reality is for overall for the season, their defensive numbers have been pretty bad. And last season, you know, when these two teams met both times, the matches got pretty wonky. You know, I know the, the last one, it was the second to last match of the season, but there were five goals scored. I mean, only top 2.2 expected, but the other match is Selhurst Park. Four goals were scored off of three, you know, expected. So what I'll be interested to see though here, it, Michael, is that who is going to control possession? I'd, I'd guess it'd be Crystal Palace. Like they were able to control yeah. a lot of possession until Wolves got the goal and they still were able to control a lot of possession after that. But my thinking here is, Lampard can't continue to play this way. Like he just can't, there's just no way that he can just sit there and keep his job getting one shot over, you know, an entire match. Like he has to be a little bit more aggressive. So I think you'll see a little more Everton on the front foot. Palace has been a little bit vulnerable in transition. So if, you know, Everton can try to set up and and sit deep and look to counter, but I mean, let's be honest. They are so, are overdue, you know, to to concede some goals here. So yeah, I don't hate a look at both teams to score. I think this could get a tad wonky. So if that number drops, you know, it's, it's plus money right now. If it drops to plus plus one twenty, I think I gotta, I gotta play both teams to score as sickening as it is. Yeah. I I really don't know if he's going to do that. Like he just, it seems like they're kind of content. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just I think, I'm bro, sitting here right, like because I'm watching every minute of it, and I'm now I'm just accustomed to this is how they play, and 
you consider the quality competition too. Like they're not going to go play balls to the wall against Spurs and Newcastle, two teams right. that can play them off the pitch. United was the game before that too. So, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's you. You make a good point. So I'll be on the draw. You'll be on your know, goals, goals, goals. <laughs> the, the other two, 10 two draw. Yeah, yeah, two two draw. The other ten a.m. game is City. They're minus six hundred. Brighton twelve to one. The draw here is plus six fifty. This was taking place at the Etihad. City was one of the two teams along with your Arsenal to not play over the midweek in the Premier League. It's a tough spot, I think, for Brighton. The numbers, I think, good enough. If you want to play it, you, there's no one's going to call you crazy for ever playing twelve to one at Brighton. Kind of saw that when they played Liverpool, right? They were like nine to one or something. That number did end up crashing, but when we recorded, it was up there. I don't think you'd be crazy to look at Brighton here. No, not at all. And it, speaking of you know numbers crashing, this one's crashed as well. City was minus six hundred before Brighton's match against Nottingham Forest. Now they're you know minus four fifty. So we've seen Deserby play two big six sides to get three three draw against Liverpool and Brighton. You know they did only allow one point six expected in that match. Then they lost one nothing to Tottenham. Only allowed Spurs to create point six expected goals. And I mean this this still is a Brighton possession based team that we saw under Potter because. The Liverpool match, they actually held 45% possession, then 60% against Tottenham, and then over 70 against Brentford and Nottingham Forest. And what Deserby loves to do is kind of what Pep is doing quite a bit of this season, which is playing out from the back and essentially just baiting teams in to press them high and then quickly moving the ball via passing triangles, getting overloads in between the lines and, you know, or playing the ball out wide and then just getting it in behind the defense. You know, Pep wants to do that really, you know, get it moving quickly because he has Erling Collins now, who is one of the best, pretty much the best forward in the world at getting in behind defenses and scoring off of one touch. Obviously Brighton doesn't have that type of quality in the final third, but I'm not so sure that if Pep knows that that's what Deserby wants to do, I'm not sure he's just going to, you know, stick his hand in, in the mousetrap and just allow Brighton to try to play right through him. And, you know, this is, this is a bright defense. That's very similar to last season. Like they don't allow a high, a lot of high quality chances. Like they're third and big scoring chances allowed and they are top five and box entries allowed. This is still a really good defense. I think we'll see a somewhat of a low quality, slow type game. You know, both these teams are bottom five in direct speed and, and top five and, and 10 plus pass sequences. So it's not going to be a lot of quick, you know, quick moving forward and a lot of chances. I don't think so. I don't hate to look on under three goals at, at plus one twenty. I only have two point seven projected. You could say City's in a lookhead spot. Like they got a road trip to Dortmund on deck in the Champions League, which will pretty much decide the group if they you know can get a draw from that. And I actually have a prop in this match, Michael. Uh, I don't usually I don't actually usually play player props, but as I was going through this, I just I, this number just jumped off the page to me, and it's Trossard four to one uh, anytime goal scorer. Yeah. I mean, he, he had the hat trick against Liverpool. What was interesting is against Liverpool, Pep played Cancelo at, at right back, which is not his natural position. He's not a good defender to begin with. And last season, uh, he got dribbled past 48 times. That was bottom 20 in the Premier League, and his tackle percentage was 42%. That was outside the top 100. Trostart's taking the most shots per 90 for Brighton. He's averaging almost one shot on goal per 90. And, you know, XG uh, per 90 is about 0.35. So, Four to one for getting that price, especially in this type of match uh, where he's going to have space. He's going to be able to get the ball in behind. I don't hate it. I think there's a little bit of value on that. Yeah, we love Trossard on this podcast. Oh, of course. We love Gross. We love all those guys. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to be on Brighton. It's not going to be fun. I'm yeah. happy City Unders are back. Yeah. All right, let's move to Sunday now. But before we do, just a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action to get bet 365's exclusive sign up offer in new jersey and colorado bet one dollar you get 200 free 
this is a fun one for me. Sunday, 9 a.m., Aston Villa hosting Brentford. Villa's plus 105. Brentford plus 240. The draw here is plus 250. I really like the number on Brentford. This is a situation where I think you're looking at the better team as right now. I mean, if you want to look on paper, sure. Like Villa probably has more talent. They are the more recognizable club. But Brentford are better than them this season. And yep. we're, we're maybe better than them. Last season, too, I mean, down the stretch, I know Villa's already getting better, but let's put it this way. Thomas Franks, Brentford is better than Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Yep. Uh, the, the numbers are telling you that. So I'll be on the Bs. I think it's a good number. We, we've talked so much about the Aston Villa attack. It doesn't threaten enough for them to profile well as a favorite. You don't want to be laying anything with this team. So... Give me the bees once again. They almost get yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously recording this on Wednesday night uh, before the Aston Villa Fulham match. So, you know. And I'm not too worried about what the. I, I'm not either. Like, if, like, even if Aston Villa scores a ton, like they create three expected goals against Fulham, it's really not going to change my opinion exactly. on this match yeah, at all. Defense, because of that, look, look at the defense they're going up against. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm actually on under two, under two and a half goals at. You know, yet even money. I really don't think that under two and a half should be plus money with these two offenses. I mean, as we sit here today, obviously before the Fulham match, Aston Villa had before the Chelsea match had created 3.8 expected goals in their previous six matches. And the only team they created over one expected goal against before the Chelsea match was against Leeds, and they got a red card in the 50th minute. So you have a Steven Gerrard team that is averaging 0.9 non penalty expected goals per match. That's 16th in the Premier League. But we've said it many times. Their defense is good. Like they're allowing 1.07 non-penalty expected goals per match. Uh, you know, they've only conceded eight big scoring chances. They do an unbelievable job at protecting their penalty area. They're third in box entries allowed. And Brentford, listen, we love them. Like they create a lot of big scoring chances, but they are very reliant on those big scoring chances because they're 18th in shots per 90 and they're 16th in box entries. And even looking at the last five matches, Brentford hasn't created over 1.3 expected goals. So while we love them, their offense is a tad big scoring chance reliance. And, you know, Aston Villa matches this season have been incredibly low event. They're only averaging 2.05 expected goals while Brentford's are allowing are, are averaging 2.5 expected goals. So I don't think under two and a half should be sitting up at plus money. So under two and a half at even money for me in this match. Completely different matchup at 9 a.m. Leeds and Fulham. Leeds, even money, home favorite, Fulham plus 260. The draws plus 250. I like the favorites here. I like Leeds. I think this is a stylistic thing more than anything. Uh, the Fulham defense is just going to leak chances, and it's going to come down to whether uh, Leeds finish off you know, two or three of their 15 and, or Fulham finish off two or three of their six, and, and whoever finishes better is going to get away with this one. But I, I like leads here i think that they should match up well with how terrible this fulham defense has looked yeah i I like leads too i mean the way marco silva has managed this fulham team and and how they're playing he's like the person in the relationship that absolutely knows they're wrong but will just fight to the death until you know and basically just continue the argument for years and years and eventually until he gets fulham relegated because their defense is so bad and he will not change a thing. They are allowing two expected goals per match. They've only held three opponents under one and a half expected goals. It was Wolves, Nottingham Forest, and Bournemouth. And they have conceded 
24 big scoring chances. This defense is so, so bad. And Leeds, you know, I'm, you know, everybody knows I'm a huge fan of Jesse Marsh. I mean, they're sixth in non-penalty expected goals. They've underperformed a little bit lately, four goals off of 8.3 expected in their last six matches. And the question surrounding Leeds defensively all the time is like, okay, they're going to press a ton. They're going to leave a ton of space in behind. So that usually means leaking goals. They're usually bottom five and, and XG allowed. But this season, they have actually been much better defensively. Like they're seventh. They held Arsenal under one expected goal. They held Crystal Palace under one expected goal in their last two matches. They're seventh in box entries allowed, eighth in progressive passes and dribbles allowed. So I think the biggest change is the fact that they just they brought in Tyler Adams and, and Mark Roca. And, and those two guys are incredibly good at stopping opposing counterattacks when last season Calvin Phillips was injured for most of the, most of the year. So, and I mean, not surprisingly Leeds is number one in passes per defensive action. They forced the third most high turnovers in the premier league. Fulham is one of the worst teams at playing through pressure. They're 19th in pressure success rate allowed. So this is a wonderful spot for Leeds here at home. Um, if, you know, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, you know, obviously you can bet Leeds before the match against Leicester, but I would, if, if you're wanting to wait to see how Leeds plays against Leicester, if they're starting to play well, I would, I would play Leeds right away during the match uh, because I, I have a feeling this number is going to crash depending on what happens in the Aston Villa Fulham match and then this one as well. So I have Leeds projected at minus 128, you know, before their match against Leicester. So plus 110, I think has fantastic value. Now we get to talk about your arsenal. Mm-hmm. They're traveling to the South Coast. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. To take on Southampton, Saints plus 450 at home, Arsenal odds on minus 182. To draw is plus... 320 at Bet365. I don't know how much of the Southampton game you saw, but I did notice that they were up 1-0. And the Southampton... Held on to it. And the Southampton fans, even up 1-0, were calling for Ralph Hassenhudel's job, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, they did hold on to it against that vaunted Bournemouth attack. Yeah. Stopped, stopped red-hot Bournemouth. I got nothing here. I think that Arsenal's not a terrible parlay piece considering the way Southampton play. But... I'm happy to pass this one over to you. I'm passing on this one as well. I mean, Southampton only took nine shots against Bournemouth. That's that's kind of embarrassing. I mean, the reality here is is that uh, once again, I, I don't hate the the number on Arsenal. It's just it's a weird spot for them because they got a Europa League match on Thursday. So you know, Southampton will have a day's rest advantage. They're staying on the south coast. Well, Arsenal has to travel down there. And I mean, yeah, Arsenal was, you know, lucky to get the win against Leeds, whatever, you know, they won one, nothing. They only created, you know, half an expected goal, but 
these Arsenal numbers, they're just, they're never going to provide any value right now. If they're going to be sitting at the top of the table, like that's just the reality of, of what we're, we're doing here. You know, I have Arsenal, I have Arsenal minus 153. So yeah, I, I agree with you. They might be a decent parlay piece here. I mean, Southampton, they, we've been talking about it a lot. They are quite bad offensively. Like they can't, they are, they can't play through pressure. Like they're dead last in offensive pass per defensive action. Arsenal has been much better pressing high. And, and, you know, I think a good picture of, of what Arsenal can do to the Southampton team is, is the match that essentially springboarded Arsenal to a resurgent second half run last season is when Southampton was, was coming to the Emirates. Arsenal was at their lowest after they just lost to Everton. Southampton was, was flying high. I think we all bet Southampton in that match. And then Arsenal just played right through their pressure. They won three, nothing and just went on from there. So I think that that's something similar that can happen here, or you just get another sleepy Arsenal one, nil win like they did against Leeds uh, last Sunday. So, but yeah, I agree. This is just a, a pass and enjoy my, my gunners winning the fourth of four 9am fixtures on Sunday morning, Eastern time, of course, 8am central time for you, BJ. Wolverhampton are at home at the Molyneux. They're plus 120, being visited by Leicester City, plus 220. The draw here is plus 240. Wolves, I think, are getting closer. I know they just lost to Crystal Palace. Wasn't the best. But it just it feels like when you look at their numbers, they're, they should start collecting some results at some point. But this number is just way too short to against Leicester, who, who yeah, like, like Leicester is not good, but these two teams are bang average equals to me. So uh, easy, easy, another easy pass for me on 9 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Yeah, I'll be on both teams to score no at plus 120. It obviously lost against Crystal Palace, but you know, uh, Wolves only created 0.6 expected goals, so that's just the. That's just the world I live in. Um, betting these both teams score nose and watching teams score off of half an expected goal. But with that being said, we are now six matches in a row for Wolves without creating a big scoring chance or creating one expected goal from open play. The only two players on Wolves that are averaging over 0.2 XG per 90 is He Chan Huang, who hasn't even played three full 90s yet, and Raul Jimenez, who is currently injured. And I'll I'll just keep saying it, but Wolves is just they're so incredibly reliant on just taking shots from outside the box. Their average shot distance is 18.1 yards from the goal and 44% of their shots come from outside the box, which where, you know, an average average shot from outside the the box has an XG rating of 0.03. So you can take 10, 15 shots and it's really going to amount to nothing unless, you know, you get lucky on some finishing luck. Those outside the box shot numbers are second only to their opponent. Lester, who has an average shot distance of 18.6 yards and has 45% of their shots coming from outside the box. Even look at their last three matches for Lester: 1.1 expected goals against Forest, 1.2 against Bournemouth, and then 0.9 against Palace. Those are not encouraging signs at all for Lester trying to get at the bottom of the table. And the one thing that Lester can hold on to offensively and, you know, why they've had, you know, some success against some teams offensively is that they are third in the premier league in offensive pass for defensive action. They can play through pressure. Well, and they can progress the ball up the field. Well, with James Madison, Harvey Barnes, Tielemans, like those guys are really good at progressing the ball up the pitch. Wolves is not going to press them. They're going to sit back on a low block. They're second to last in pressures per 90. So once again, you have a question mark of those last three matches is Lester going to be able to break down a low block where they're only creating one expected goal. And my answer to that is 
Probably not. So both teams score. No, is at plus plus one twenty, And I really just don't think it should be plus money. I have it projected at minus one twenty nine. So I'll be back on the most boring bet in soccer. Both it's, teams just score. No at plus one twenty. Yeah, it, it depends on your, your uh, <laughs> definition of boring. Well, uh, if, you, if you enjoy, you know, not seeing the one thing that brings everybody joy in a soccer match, then yeah, the bet's pretty fun. <laughs> Once again, it depends on what, how you look at it. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see Everton let in goals. Right. All right. Uh, now let's pause for two seconds uh, to pay homage to Anthony before we talk about Spurs. Tottenham, they're plus 100 hosting Newcastle plus 250. The draws plus 260. Great first half from Newcastle. And then I thought they were pretty lackluster in the second against Everton. We clearly have a big one like Man City. Then we have an almost as big three with Liverpool, Arsenal. Maybe it's just two, honestly. And then there's four other teams that you can say are really close with Chelsea, United, Spurs, and Newcastle. It's annoying to admit, but it's true just because of how they've obviously how they've achieved that status. Is it different from how City has? I don't know. That's for stuff for another podcast to discuss. We'll discuss it from a betting perspective. And from a betting perspective, I think Newcastle is, is worth a shot here. And I feel like Anthony would agree with me. Yeah. Uh, let's. I just want to bring up two prices on the board here because they're basically sitting at the same, same price, right? Spurs, even money at home against Newcastle and Chelsea, even money at home against United. I'll be on the underdog in both of them because I really think that all four of these teams are like if they played a hundred times, each team's probably taking 25 to 30 of them. So yeah, I'll be on, on Newcastle here. The underlying numbers, we've talked about it. They keep getting better. Don't think I'm too worried about the stylistic issues with Spur playing when you play Spurs. I don't think Newcastle will be with Guimaraes. I know Joe Linton left hurt. So that's a little upsetting yeah. for a Newcastle bet, but I just don't think they'll be as susceptible to the Tottenham counters as other teams who who like to keep the ball on the floor. It's weird. You know, the two matches for Tottenham that you can point at and be like, hey, like they looked really, really bad was the match against Arsenal. And then this last match against Manchester United, where it just seemed like they couldn't even string a pass together. I mean, Tottenham got out. They weren't, they weren't that good against Chelsea either. No, so they like, really, they really weren't. They got a couple, you know, they got a couple, you know, they went down to nothing and then they got a couple chances that went in. Um, but, or no, they were tied. Sorry, excuse me. No, they didn't go down to nothing. Anyway, I mean, yeah, today, like they couldn't string any passes together. They got outshot 28 to nine. United just lived in there, you know, and United, who is not a good pressing team, was able to press Tottenham effectively. Newcastle's forced the most high turnovers in the Premier League. Like their passes for defensive action is, is top five this year. Like they have turned into a really, really good team. They have a better expected goal differential than Tottenham. Even with that being said, like I do project a little bit of value on Tottenham. Um, you know, it, it has to do with, with prior year data. Anthony will probably, you know, scream at me saying Tottenham was not a plus one actually differential team for 90 last season. The numbers are what they are, Anthony. So it's a very interesting matchup because you can say, is Newcastle going to hold a lot of possession? Are they going to be able to do what essentially what United was able to do to Tottenham today on the road at White Hart Lane? I don't know if, it, I don't know if after today's performance, if Antonio Conte will be discouraged and he'll ask his team to provide a little bit more energy, control the ball more. Um, I think that would benefit Tottenham greatly if they decided to play a little more aggressive. Ishak is out for Newcastle. St. Maximum is doubtful. So a couple positives there for Tottenham. I do think the number is, is about correct. It is interesting because you think about it, you know, Manchester United was even money against Newcastle the previous match. 
And then now they have a common opponent. Tottenham at least have, has a common opponent now, and they just got you know throttled by United today. So you could make that case, but yeah, for me, I, I'm just I'm staying away. I, I'm just gonna be very very interested to see how Tottenham plays in this one because, like you said, like against big you know against the big six, they've they've struggled. Like, yeah, they've they've struggled. So if you know Newcastle, which we think you know with the amount of money they're pouring into the team, you know five years from now there might it might be a big seven. Who knows? Yeah, um, I mean, it's closer than that. Like, to, yeah. So it, it, this is a, if you, you know, this is probably what, for me, one of the more interesting matches to see, okay, where is Newcastle pegged up around the big six and is Tottenham just beating up on the lower half of the table or can they actually compete with the team, you know, teams in the higher half? Because before today, they were only four points off Arsenal. Like they were on, yeah. it, was, it was their best start since the 1960s. Like, and, and, you know, and, you know, fans like Anthony are talking about like, Oh, I just, I hate the way they play. Like they just, it's funny, it's, right? it's, you know, there's still problems. It's not all, it's not all good in Tottenham land. And like, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I think this match is going to be very, very interesting. Um, but yeah, so I'm passing, but cause I think the number's correct. And one thing I, I want to bring up with Newcastle too, is we're now, closing in on a year uh, since that January transfer window, when they brought in Bruno, when they brought in yep. Kieran Trippier, when they brought in, uh, you know, Dan, even like Dan Byrne and Chris Wood, like the, the team is now we're a year from Eddie Howe moving Joe Linton from, you know, up front to the, right. the defensive midfield. Like they're a much more cohesive unit. They're not like just a bunch of, uh, you know, talented players. Now that it's, it's, it's actually a team. They've had a good goalkeeper. Uh, they're, they're formidable. Yeah. And you know, one thing I'll be interested to see, you know, they have, uh, they have Aston Villa and Southampton next. I'll be just really interested to see what the prices are for those yeah. matches to see how the markets, are they going to start, you know, obviously it depends on what happens in this one, but is Newcastle going to start to get completely overvalued and we have to stomach, you know, an Aston Villa plus one or a Southampton plus one and a half. I don't know. We'll see. We, we started to see it two seasons ago. Maybe I think it was two seasons ago. And then a little last year with West Ham, but there yeah. was, there was like this thing with in the market where you'd see, the big six get priced that where they were, or it was really like the big five because Arsenal hadn't really found it yet. Right. And then you'd have like the Leicester and then yep. whoever was struggling out of that big six be kind of priced in their own little universe. So that's, that's Newcastle right now. I think we'll start to see them continue to, to trend up. Uh, there is a Monday night football match. It is West Ham minus 188 hosting Bournemouth plus 475 draw here's plus 333. This is an interesting battle between the worst offense in the premier league and, a, and one of the better defensive units this season under David Moyes. So everything would kind of point you to a West Ham win and West Ham win to nil, maybe them as another parlay piece. But I just think minus minus one eighty eight is probably a little too much considering West Ham aren't going to just play you off the pitch and cover, you know, they're not going to get that margin needed to, to cover that kind of number. Yeah, I mean West Ham to win nil is plus one fifty five right now, so that's actually a pretty decent price. But I actually do like West Ham minus one, uh, minus one ten. I think it's a perfect blowout spot for them. You know, their last two matches against Southampton and Liverpool, they created you know total over four expected goals, only scored once. And you look at their schedule. You know, they've played a couple teams that sat back in low blocks against them. They created three point three against Fulham and then two point one xG against Southampton. West Ham. 
against teams currently in the bottom half of the table this season have created 9.6 expected goals and only allowed 4.3 in six matches. So they're able to actually get margin from a chance creation standpoint against pretty bad teams. And, you know, offensive regression hit Bournemouth today, you know, going to the Southampton match. We already talked about it. 5.9 expected goals created scored 10 created a little over one expected goal today, unable to find the back of the net. And defensively, I know I've been saying like, hey, their low block has actually been kind of effective against non-big six, big six sides, but I mean, here are the non-big six sides they've played. Aston Villa, Wolves, Newcastle, Brentford, Forest, Fulham, and Southampton. I would say only one of those offenses is on par currently with where West Ham is certainly trending towards after the last few matches, and it's Newcastle. And in that match, Newcastle created over two expected goals. They got off 19 shots and had 41 touches in Bournemouth's penalty area. So... I think it's a good blow, good uh, blowout spot here for West Ham. I actually don't project much value on it, but um, I am taking the Hammers uh, minus one at minus one ten given their form over the last few matches. Yeah, maybe this is when we start to see Bournemouth just crash down the table, uh, starting with yeah. Southampton. All right, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. You want to take a quick stroll around Europe now? Uh, sure. But before we do, let's just remind the listeners that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. Uh, and we do thank you, dear listener, for tuning in uh, twice a week, every week. Uh, the fat cats, the higher-ups, including our producer, director of audio, Matt Mitchell, is thrilled with how the podcast is growing and wanted me to remind you as well that if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, for Wonder Goal and leave your email, your Twitter handle, however you want us to get in touch with you. He will come and find you and gift you a year-long subscription to Action Pro. So make sure to do that. Once again, just leave it a review. Make sure it's a five-star review. You can write whatever you want in the review. As long as it's five stars, you can just tear me apart for continuing yeah. to tell you to. You can berate us bet, all you want. To bet Everton. Just leave five uh, stars. <laughs> yeah, just leave the five stars. All right, let's go to the Bundesliga first. I liked your pick. I was I was thinking about the money line here. It's a, our fa- a fade of our favorite top team in in, in yeah. the big five. Uh, but it's the team that you're that you're going to be fading them with is just god awful. Yeah. I want to throw up with this pick. Like truly I want to, like when I, when I was going through the card, I don't really like much on this slate, but this one I actually projected some value on it. And I was just like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's throw up and let's, uh, let's hope we can win this one. Bochum plus half a goal minus minus one ten at home against league leaders, Union Berlin. Bochum is the worst team in the Bundesliga. Like they have terrible metrics, but those metrics are a little inflated. They lost seven, nothing to Bayern. They allowed four expected goals to Freiburg. They lost four, nothing to RB Leipzig. And they also allowed four over four expected goals in that their last two matches though, they beat Frankfurt three, nothing at home. Then they lost Stuttgart on the road four one. but that match was kind of interesting because XG was dead. Even it was 2.1 to 2.1. Stuttgart had a penalty in there. Possession was even shots were even and Bochum actually had more touches in the penalty area and more box entries than Stuttgart. And I mean, Union Berlin, I don't even know what to say at this point. <laughs> they've, they've, they have, um, they have 9.4 expected goals in 10 matches. They've scored, I believe, 18. That 9.4 also is just 0.2 better than Bochum uh, offensively. Union's created five big scoring chances. One of those was just a one of the worst goalkeeping mistakes you'll ever see for Dortmund. That goalkeeper just fell down and allowed Union Berlin to tap it in. But Union Berlin also 15th in expected threat. And just from a projection standpoint, I have Union Berlin projected at plus 129. Implied odds on that is 43.6%, 538. 
has Union Berlin at 45%. So if you can stomach it, Bochum plus half a goal minus 110 does have some value. Yeah, this will also, to... also be a match that'll be very funny if like Bochum actually wins it. Yeah, and yeah. you'll see all the headlines of like, oh my gosh, like league leaders Union Berlin go down to the work. To the, this is first place versus yeah, last yeah. place. And first place is only minus 110. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the Bochum money line. It's three to one, which is oh crazy when you, when you consider the places in the standings. I, I also wonder like at one point, the Union Berlin thing if, if they win this game let's say like let's like let's say we get to the world cup if they're still hanging around first or in first if when it starts to become like a mainstream thing because you hear a little bit about talk about it on, on soccer podcasts granted the ones that i listen to are basically slanted very very heavily towards premier league and they'll check in on on the other european leagues like during champions league or whatever so i wonder when that is going to kind of break it yeah psyche. well here's here's union's schedule before the world cup they got well they have a couple of your couple of europa league matches but they have gladbach on deck that's at home then they go on the road to leverkusen then they got augsburg and freiburg so there's like three teams in there that are near near should be near the top of the table so well, it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to you know do what they're doing <laughs> to, to those teams uh, i i like leipzig minus one and a half they're plus one that number is plus 138 uh, at bet three six five against Augsburg, uh, Augsburg second worst expected goal allowed and expected goal differential in the Bundesliga, but they're sitting twelfth, two points behind. Uh, excuse me, two places behind Leipzig, who have the second best expected points in the Bundesliga, but they're in tenth. So we're just looking at two teams going in different directions, and there's obviously some blowout potential when you're looking at uh, a team as bad as Augsburg and one as good as Leipzig. It's a little daunting with the look ahead spot for Leipzig looking ahead to champions league, but I'll take it. I'll lay the goal in a half um, Spain. Now we're both on the same one. You like the spread is going to take this, the money line, but this is, is going to be a party. Yeah. This might be the game of the weekend. Yeah. The thing is, is Barcelona is in a really difficult schedule in terms of, you know, the fixtures they've had, they've, you know, they've, they obviously played Inter in the champions league, the Mandel Clasico against Real Madrid. They're playing Villarreal on Thursday, Bilbao on Sunday, and then, you know, a must-win spot and a massive look-ahead spot with Bayern at home in the Champions League, a match they absolutely have to win if they want any chance to progress to the round of 16 and save themselves from financial bankruptcy. <laughs> um, but Bilbao, I mean, they are, they're number one in Spain and expect goals allowed. The only team that's created over one expected goal against them was Sevilla, and it was basically because they created one big scoring chance in the fourth minute. Other than that, nobody's done anything against them. Like they have a plus 9.5 expected goal differential. That's second in La Liga. Like this team is really good. And their manager, Ernesto Valverde, former Barcelona manager. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great, great spot here for athletic Bilbao who doesn't play any, you know, European competitions, Barcelona look head spot, you know, Bilbao has Bilbao played on, on Tuesday against Getafe. They'll have two days of rest advantage over Barcelona. So, and you might see Barcelona kind of rotate a few guys uh, since they do have Bayern on deck. So yeah, great spot here for Bilbao. I'm, t- I'm on them plus one at minus minus one fifteen. Yeah. I'll take the money line. You get four to one. One of the great things about the athletic club Bilbao, if you listen to us last year, we were on them a lot, just quickly what their story is. They're from the Basque country in Spain. They don't buy any players in the transfer market. You have to be, from the Basque country, you have to go through their academy to play for them. So when they are good, the whole Bilbao community gets behind them. They're, it's always really fun 
when Bill Bow is good. Like when yep. they're 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 falling a little adrift of the top of the La Liga. They're they're you know they they need to string together some results to get in there. But even if they're challenging for a Champions League spot, so it's a fun team to get behind. And this is a huge match. So I like Los Leones on the money line against Barcelona. Now I'll turn it over to you for Syria A and Ligue 1. Yeah, I mean, uh, Syria A has, you know, another probably match of the weekend, Roma versus Napoli. I mean, uh, listen, Napoli has been incredible. They're atop of Syria A. They have a plus 12.9 expected goal differential, number one offense in Italy by XG. But the reality is, is that Roma's underlying metrics are just as good, if not better, than Napoli's. Roma has a plus 13.1 expected goal differential, only a plus four actual goal differential. They're the number one defense in Italy. And Jose Mourinho's side has only allowed seven expected goals in 10 matches. And what is crazy is in typical Jose fashion, he's going to, he just lets people bring the ball into the final third without much resistance. Like they're allowing a decent number of shots. They're, they're even in the bottom half of the, of Syria and progressive passes and dribbles allowed passes per defensive action and crosses allowed in the penalty area. But Jose's teams will not allow you to create anything of quality. Roma's average XG allowed per shot is 0.06. I'm pretty sure that's the best mark of anybody across Europe. Their average shot distance allowed is 19.7 yards from the goal, and they've allowed just two big scoring chances this season. Also, if you look at Napoli's schedule, it really hasn't been that difficult. You know, they obviously have performed well in the Champions League, but the toughest team they've played in Serie A has been AC Milan, and eight of their 10 matches have come against teams currently in the bottom half of the table. While Roma, on the other hand, has only had five of their 10 matches have come against teams in the bottom half of the table. And they've already had to play Juventus inter and Atalanta. So essentially I am getting the better team on XG numbers who has played a more different, diff- difficult schedule and is at home and they're an underdog. So I like Roma draw no bet at plus plus one ten. and nothing for you in league. Ooh, so yeah, I got to take a break. I'm getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on let's move on to our favorite underdogs for the weekend i'll go first i like united manchester united plus 260 at chelsea I, I just don't think there's too much separating these two sides right now you look at what chelsea's been doing over the last few results since Graham potter came they're overperforming their expected goals by quite a bit really lucky win against aston villa really lucky draw against brentford meanwhile the united defense which has been their achilles heel is starting to look like it has some form some form of life and maybe it's Casemiro getting embedded inside. It's, it's maybe a little continuity with the the center backs. They're getting healthier back there. And like you said, BJ, there's a ton of big injuries for Chelsea to deal with Conte, Reese James down the list. It's not good. Tiago Silva. So I think this is a good spot to back Manchester United plus two sixty on the road. Yeah. I like Schalke plus three seventy five on the road at Hertha Berlin on Sunday. Um, this is an interesting spot because you have Hertha Berlin sitting at minus 135 when I don't really think that they're that much better than Schalke currently. I mean, Hertha Berlin is a minus 4.5 expected goal differential. Schalke sitting at minus five. Schalke's got some new manager bounce. They got beat three, nothing by Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim had uh, two penalties. And then they played Hoffenheim again in the DFB Pokal. They lost five, one, they fired their manager, Frank Kramer. So a little bit of new manager bounce here. There's really just nothing to like uh, about Hertha Berlin right now. I mean, they're 13th and non-penalty expected goals for They're 14th and expected goals against Schalke. I mean, they're, they're on a five match, you know, losing streak, but you look at the teams that they've faced near the bottom of the table. They lost two, three to Augsburg, beat them on expected goals, 2.2 to 1.1. They beat Bochum three, one beat them on expected goals. They drew one, one with Stuttgart. They beat them 2.5 to 0.9 on expected goals. So teams are playing near the bottom of the table or teams that are similar quality to Hertha Berlin, they're actually playing very well against. So I think this number's uh, way too inflated on Hertha Berlin. Little new manager bounce for Schalke plus three seventy five. 
BJ and I decided before the podcast that if Anthony was here and not at the uh, Smashing Pumpkins concert, he would probably take uh, Newcastle against Spurs. So if you just take our two underdogs, that's United at Schalke, it's a 16 to 1. If you throw Newcastle in there, it's 59 to 1. And that's going to hit. So might want to do it. All right, now let's look at our favorite bets in the Premier League for the upcoming weekend. I'll go first. I like Brentford. The Bees, they're plus 240 on the road at Aston Villa. We've said it time and time again, this Aston Villa attack just won't scare anybody. They might paste Fulham on Thursday, but that's more a commentary on Fulham's terrible defense than it is on Aston Villa's attack. And there's some you know extenuating circumstances here. Villa manager Steven Gerrard is on the hot seat. Meanwhile, you look at Brentford and they are just a picture of chemistry and continuity. The effort's there every night. You know what you're going to get out of the Bs. You just don't know what you're going to get out of Villa. They profile as a bad favor because they just don't get the separation needed. I'm on the Bs, a team that always punches up well at big numbers. So plus 240 against a Villa team that I frankly think that they're better than. The expected goals numbers bear that out. Come on, you Bs. I like Leeds. Plus 110 at home against Fulham. Uh, this Fulham defense is the worst in the Premier League. They're allowing close to two expected goals per match. They only opponents that have created over one and a half expected goals against them are Wolves, Nottingham Forest, and Bournemouth. And they have conceded 24 big scoring chances on the season. Leeds comes into this match. Obviously, we're recording this uh, before their match against Leicester on Thursday. But the previous six matches, they have scored four goals, have created 8.3 expected. So they are due for some positive aggression. The question that always surrounds Leeds is their defense. They press a lot. They're number one in passes per defensive action. But they do leave a lot of open space in behind. But this season's been a little different because they brought in Tyler Adams. They brought in Mark Roca, and suddenly they're they're seventh in progressive passes and dribbles allowed. Teams aren't able to progress against them. Like I already mentioned, number one in pass per defensive action. They're third in the Premier League in high turnovers. Fulham, 19th in the Premier League at, at playing through pressure. So this is a great spot here for Leeds at home at a good number at plus 110. I have them projected minus 128. So always been a huge fan of Jesse Marsh. So give me, <laughs> give me, give me Leeds plus 110. All right, that wraps up another episode of Wonder Goal. Uh, for Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Lieboff. Best of luck with all your bets over the weekend, and we will see you again on Monday morning.